Welcome to Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. We are here at KPFT with a little bit of background sound, but you know how that goes. We get it cleaned up in a minute, and we're going to get it all cleaned up. I hope, I hope, I hope. Anyway, we have a great show for you today, everybody. We have two great guests. I mean, we have a community organizer, is what I call her, and we have a community activist, is what I call her. Him. Anyhow, folks, title of the show today, Food Not Bombs, Nick Cooper, Ingrid Bond on mayoral debate, Rich Countries Must Fix Environment. Subtitle, Food Not Bombs, Nick Cooper visits to discuss the organization and the attack by the city. Ingrid Bond talks about tonight's Houston mayoral debate, why rich countries must fix the environment. But before we get started, as I drove into... Uh, the studio today, two things I saw. First of all, I saw the new prices of gasoline, okay? Uh, supposedly, we live in a free market society. Supposedly, we live in a capitalist society. Here's the deal. Guess what happened? Let me explain why your prices are going up, folks, and then I want you guys to do something about it, starting by driving less and fixing the, the, the environment anyhow. But OPEC decided that they were going to take a million barrels or more off of the market. And the speculators decided that because a million barrels are off the markets, they can raise the prices, right? And they like to say it's one of those supply and demand market forces. It isn't. It's a cartel. And it's not just the OPEC cartel. It's the world oil cartel. Venezuela is sitting down on the largest deposit of oil bar none in the world. If it really were about that, and Nick, I don't want you to say, well, we don't really want to use that dirty oil. But here's the deal. If it were really a capitalist market, we would have no shortages. Because by the way the market works, there isn't an oil shortage. There has never been an oil shortage. Look at the numbers. It's all in the numbers, but our mainstream media won't tell you that. The other subject is I'm, as I'm driving on 59, I see all those homeless people. I don't, we don't call them homeless anymore. We call it the unhoused. All the unhoused people under our, our freeways. And we know that Houston does have an oversupply of places where these folks could be. But you know what? Because of the market system that we have, we can't put them up. We can't have social services do the work because you know what they'll say about the type of economy we would be turning into. That's not true either. I mean, it's about humanity, folks. But anyhow, we have two great guests. We have Nick Cooper. Nick Cooper is an American drummer, record producer, and composer best known for his work with Free Radicals. Nick is also an activist with In the Media, Food Not Bombs, and a writer for the press for the Free Press Houston and Houston Peace News. He is also a documentary filmmaker, a workshop facilitator, and a student of something I don't know anything about called Capoeira Angola and virtual artist. El hello, hello, senor. Hello, how are you doing, here. my dear friend? Doing good. Talk to me. Okay. I, well, I don't want to talk about our subject. I'm just introducing you because okay. I want to get to Ingrid first. Yes. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. You can say a little bit more than that now. <laughs> okay. I will tell you right now, our organization that shares vegetarian meals downtown has been doing it for decades. We're getting ticketed by the mayor, sending cops after us to stop us from 
Sharing food with the homeless. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something, Nick. First of all, I was at the, you know, I'm on the board at the Houston Peace and Justice Center. And, you know, uh, when Eileen came and said, you know, what was happening, I'll I'll be frank. I, I missed that particular news day. And, you know, these things are only covered shortly. They don't really keep these things in the news. And I missed it. And when Eileen said, you know, what was happening to all you guys downtown, I'm like, how comes he's not on KPFT talking about this very serious issue? I mean, why isn't he here? And then she says, okay, I'll, get, I'll put you in touch with him. And that's why I really asked you to come on because I want you to tell us all those great things, first of all, that your organization is doing downtown, but more importantly, how our supposedly uh, progressive type government is really screwing with, the, with, with what's going on downtown. But anyhow, we have with us as well, Ingrid... Bond. Ingrid Bond was raised in Maryland. She moved to Mississippi as a high school senior. She is a registered professional engineer who graduated from the Texas A&M University with a BS in petroleum engineering in 1982. She is an effective community organizer, and there's a link to uh, all that she's accomplished. And it is part of, and she is part of the Bayou Blue Democrats Club. How are you doing, Ingrid? Hello, Egberto. It's so nice to be here, and I will admit this is my first radio experience, so forgive any weird thing that happens or well, you know what? that I make. I don't care if it's your your first experience. You're a pro already, young lady, with all that you're doing, getting a mayoral debate put together with, your, with the folks down there. I think that is just great. Well, this all came to me, I would say, rather late in life, like so many of us, I think, In 2016, we were so shocked by the election results that many of us who previously just had not been involved in politics felt like we had to do something. And that's when I found out that in my neighborhood, there had not been a Democratic precinct chair representing us for at least eight years. And I didn't know how to do it or what it even meant, but I knew it would be better than being vacant. So... I applied uh, to the Harris County Democratic Party and was accepted as a precinct chair. And from then, I've just increased my activities, which I don't have to go into too much detail for. But I am currently the president of the Bayou Blue Democrats Club, which is a club that operates under the county uh, in a specific geographic region. So we are basically west of downtown to the loop and bounded to the north by the heights and to the south by west U. well you know uh beforehand i i better oh i did i did get it started beforehand i i, I tell you something um i don't know if you realize what you just did there uh, you just told people two important pieces of information that will encourage others to be politically involved. Here you are on the radio, first time on the radio, you say, doing a hell of a job, but it all, it tells people, hey, I can throw myself out there and do something. And then you tell us you started late in life with your political involvement and look how much you've accomplished. I don't know how late in life you're talking about, lady, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever the case is, you're accomplishing at whatever age you are, very, a, a very important feat, which is what's necessary for us to really move this democracy forward. I, I, I have this thing on my website where I says political involvement should be a requirement for citizenship. And what I mean by that is that 
the reason things are so bad right now for so many is so many of us think we are impotent to actually make change in society. And when we start engaging, that is, that is, that is what we get. But anyhow, let's, let's go back to Nick here. Nick, um, as it turns out, I saw, Eileen brought to my attention that you guys were, and I, I like to, I think superlatives are, are warranted here. She said that you guys are at, on attack from uh, the city. Uh, tell us a little bit about, first of all, who and what is Foods Not Bombs? Well, Food Not Bombs is an international, um, non-hierarchical collective of uh, chapters. So uh, we're not even in touch with the other chapters. We don't have any centralized decision-making, but all of the chapters around the world basically follow the same three main principles, which is that we share vegetarian and vegan food. We're anti-war. We think that money should be spent on human need and not on the war machine, and um, that we're non-hierarchical, which is uh, something that's, um, you know, really fun and interesting, a great way to organize. There's not very many non-hierarchical structures around in Houston. Um, there's certainly, um, you know, but it works. We're an we attempted at that actually with Occupy, uh, and, it, it, you know, we had some issues with it, but you guys seem to get it to work very well. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, there's, it, it is something that's familiar. We do, we make non-hierarchical decisions with our friends all the time. What do we want to do tonight? You know, right. there's no one's in charge, but at m most institutions, um, especially funded institutions, especially, uh, institutions that have property are going to be hierarchical. So it's an interesting thing to, to show people this is what it's like. Uh, it doesn't mean that somebody can come in for the first time and just start redoing everything. We, we decide stuff as a group. Right. And some people are more familiar with how things have gone in the past. And so by you, consensus, yeah, you come in and, and, and be part of that. And we share, yeah, vegetarian and vegan food. A lot of it is uh, food that would have otherwise gone to waste uh, food from uh, supermarkets and restaurants that would have been tossed out. And um, so we provide uh, a meal, not all the Volunteers are vegetarian. Uh, certainly not all the people who come to eat there are vegetarian, but they have a vegetarian meal together. And we think of it as solidarity uh, more than charity, because if you go to some of these other um, institutions that are really part of what I would call the homeless industrial complex, mm -hmm. they're getting big money. Um, they, they don't have, they don't eat that food. Um, the CEO of the Star of Hope Mission, this guy gets paid $450,000 a year. Um, oh, and yeah. uh, he certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't sit down and eat, eat the food that they're sharing there. This is, this is big money. We're all volunteer. And um, so we, we're kind of a little bit more free to say whatever we want about the anti-homeless laws, anti-homeless policies or whatever. We don't have to worry about the city or the coalition for the homeless turning off our grant money. So we have that freedom to be able to discuss these things. And there's all kinds of anti-homeless laws that are going on. The one against sharing food with the homeless is just one of many. Explain that law. So right now, uh, under Anise Parker in 2012, um, it became uh, a crime, a misdemeanor with a fine up to $2,000 to share food with more than five needy people in public. Um, and... We were like, we're not going to follow your law. We're holding a press conference. We're going to show how horrible this is. We're only a block away from City Hall. We're at the downtown library. Well, Anise Parker backed off pretty quickly and exempted us from the law um, so that we didn't have to go through their uh, system. Now, uh, Turner is enforcing the law and writing us tickets that actually say on them the, the crime is um, food service event, in parentheses, feed homeless. Um, that's the crime. And what they are using that to do is move us out of the library location 
to try to get us to share food in, of all places, a miserable HPD parking lot. And um, one of the organizations, not us, but one of the organizations that uses that same space, they were like, we can't risk getting tickets. We're, you know, they're, they're on a different night than us. Mm -hmm. We're going to go over to the HPD parking lot and do what you say. So the first week they went, they shared their food. The second week they showed up and they were like, well, the, the police are going to share the food. Just drop off your food here and then you can go. And it just shows how quickly these ideas of what the, what the mayor is ostensibly offering changes into like, just drop off some food and get out of here, right? We're an organization that we want to share an anti-war message. You do not hear an anti-war message on any platform. I barely hear it on KPFT anymore, right? We are a, a hardcore anti-war group. And one of the ways that we can spread that message is by holding events that have food at them. And that's exactly why the Florida chapter of uh, Food Not Bombs was found uh, to be uh, innocent, that the law against sharing food with the homeless was struck down by a federal court in Florida uh, because they said, this is freedom of speech. These people have a message. They're anti-war. They're vegetarian. They're non-hierarchical. And the way and they, the food is involved in their event. And there isn't a sale or anything going on. No, no sales. I mean, none of us, you know, we're a hundred percent volunteer. We're not reimbursed for our gas money. We're not reimbursed for anything. So, uh, I mean, if we, if we buy blankets to give out to the homeless, we generally try to get donations to, to reimburse that. Let's get not, clear here because yeah. let's start with Anise Parker. What you're actually saying is Anise Parker got a, a, a bill passed because let's remember also folks, Houston is a strong mayor city. In other words, the mayor has a whole lot of power in Houston. Uh, this law was passed that if you're doing, if you're giving food to more than five people in 2012, yeah, in 2012, so it, it, it is a, but wait, it, it is, it is a, it is a crime. Now, my question to you is that that was calculated to ensure that you didn't build up a whole bunch of people that are coming to be fed, correct? So um, the intentions, you know, the mayor will always say, oh, it's for this good reason. And, and What's a good reason? Well, her initial reason was really funny. She was like, oh, these groups that are sharing food in the street, like Food Not Bombs, and, and most of the other groups that were sharing food in the street happen to be church groups. They're, they're causing an epidemic of food poisoning across the, the city. And we're like, That's oh. That's never true, yeah. And we're like, okay, well, show us your data. Well, we don't have any data. Oh, okay, well, we'll get some data. So we went out and interviewed homeless people. Where have you ever gotten food poisoning? And again and again, they pointed towards the shelters. And, you know, miserable food being served in the shelters and being prepared by people who don't, don't care. Don't care. Yeah. And they don't eat that food. Uh, we will eat our food if we have enough. We're happy to eat the food. It's uh, well, actually, it's a camaraderie, right? You go out there and you talk, you talk politics, you talk a whole lot of stuff yeah. with the people. And not only that, you give the people hope. Yeah. And the important thing about 2012 is that this law passed with a bunch of other homeless, anti-homeless laws. But the main thing that you need to know is that's when a bunch of federal money from Obama came into Houston to fight homelessness, created all kinds of wealth for the Coalition for the Homeless and the people who work with them. And in order to get that money, they need homeless uh, people to come through the door and they check them in on their tablet through this thing called the Homeless Management Information System. That's how they justify their grant money. And we're the competition. Right? We're giving away food You're for free. You're the competition that makes no money for the people involved. Yeah. We're, so we're, we're not part of their system. So we're a threat to their bottom line. And in order to justify this money, something that is really important to understand and doesn't get enough coverage is that the uh, it was a conditional grant. You'll get your grant money if you can show that you're reducing the amount of homelessness. So they do this little charade thing every year called the point in time homeless count. They go out and count how many homeless people they are. Statistically, it is garbage. Rice University, Kinder Institute, all kinds of different uh, people have analyzed it. The National Coalition for the Homeless has looked at 
at it. These statistically are useless, and they, they just use them to show, oh, look, we lowered the amount of homeless so we can keep getting our grant money. So now, on paper, Houston hardly has any homeless compared to what we used but to have. But we know for a fact that it actually has increased, especially with the recent increase in rents. And we're about to see, you know, just a, a horrible bunch of conditions because Biden is allowing all of these things that were protecting people the from evictions, Medicaid right. to expire, and it's going to throw people onto the streets in, in record numbers. That is uh, th- that is sad. Now, um, right now, they've started giving you guys a whole lot of tickets. You have a, a you're trying to raise some funds to pay off these tickets. I think it's it, it could be as high as two thousand dollars per ticket. You've had two tickets. You've had friends with six tickets. You've had People all over in Foods Not Bombs and other organizations being ticketed every week or every day that they go out there and, and, and serve the poor. It, 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 imagine if, if all of the effort was created, was done to try to create spaces for these people who are homeless. Well, that, I want to ask you a question. So yes. you were talking about how the markets work. Mm-hmm. How in capitalism right. could you give decent housing to the homeless and then expect the working poor to continue working, right? Because I mean, right now, homeless people can, you know, people who are super poor can get food stamps, can get Medicaid. Mm-hmm. The one thing that they really can't get for free is housing. So right. if you were to give housing uh, to people that had had nothing, then why would the working poor keep Well, working? I'm gonna throw this right back at you. Uh, uh, you know, right now we're increasing interest rates, correct? And I'm gonna be with you in a second. We, 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 we're increasing interest rates. That's, that's what the Fed's doing. Uh, and the reason for increasing interest rates is they want to tamp down inflation. Not, bear in mind that inflation isn't caused right now by shortages, it is caused by, uh, by, by people, because they can. Because they can raise the prices, they do. That's. It's hard to find this message on standard media, but that's the only reason we have inflation now, because they can raise prices, period. That said, they're raising uh, interest rates so that uh, it will reduce demand on these plutocrats forcing them. In other words, the government isn't going to say, guys, you must lower your prices. What the government will do is say, I will give pain to the poor. I will give pain to the to the middle class so that it'll force the plutocrats to adjust their pricing mechanism. To your question now, uh, how is it in a capitalist society that you can pay no pay low wages and not have housing for the poor who your 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 capital depends on? And the reason why is, who said we were uh, humane? Who said that our economic system was humane? What made, what gave you the impression that our economic system was humane? You are living what our economic system generates. What the Fed chair said, and listen closely, the Fed chair said, I must raise uh, the interest rates so that we will get two million more people unemployed. I repeat, that is not my saying. That is not Bernie's saying. That is not Elizabeth Warren's saying. He is saying in order to reduce the inflation rate, we must put more, two million more Americans in pain. That is our economic system. That answers your question. Well, no, I, I still would like to know. I mean, for, for me, it's like... Um, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, if, if we just had more humane policies, you know, we could we could fix these things. But I've seen good homeless policies like the housing first model mm-hmm. come to Houston. And then when they get kind of re-figured out through the system of, of capitalism, which in Houston, I mean, basically real estate runs yes. city council. Yes. Right. So when they get reinterpreted, um, how 
how could you give decent housing to the, to the homeless under capitalism, why would the working poor keep working? Why wouldn't they say, well, let's not work either, and then we can get this good housing, right? I, no, 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 I, no I believe- but again, there's an answer to that. Look, when, when you grew up as a kid, you learned civics, that working was a good thing. That's what we learned. I mean, any, look, no society can survive based on, not based on some ideological bent. Every society has an ideological bent, and our ideological bent is work. Yes, and, and that's a good thing. We work together uh, to get things done. I don't, care if the, I don't care if you want to call the economic system capitalist or whatever you want to call the economic system, as long as it has provisions to take care of everybody. In your case, when you talk about how can we have housing, there's this thing that's been tested quite often that I've done interviews with people call the basic income model. In other words, let the free enterprise, not the free enterprise, I don't call capitalism free enterprise, let the capitalist system go, go do its thing. But let's make sure that we have the mechanisms within that system that allows people to have a basic income commensurate with being able to have, in Panama we used to call it a, la, bolsa de, la bolsa de comida. What that means is we make sure that you have at least a minimum of what a person can live on. Most people don't, won't want that because most people, the way you grew up, you want to work. I, look, I work 16 hours a day, all right? I love doing that. You work how many hours a day? When you're out there doing, serving the poor, what are you doing? Is that not work? Um, yeah, well, I think that it's true. Um, and of course, like I am very much in favor of alternatives to capitalism. I'm an anti-capitalist myself. Um, and I think that... Um, the question that I think is important is that so many people think, well, you know, through this uh, structure of landlord and real estate run Democratic Party or whatever, maybe we can fix this and make it better. And it's like, it kind of goes against their bottom line, right? It kind of goes against uh, their ability to like get the working poor to continue to pay for bad housing. Because if you take that cudgel away and you say, well, everyone gets housing now, then uh, yeah, real that estate doesn't a, profit. But that, I think when you say you take the cudgel away, that is assuming that humanity... Okay, go ahead. I spoke already. Why don't you say it? And then I'll ask you your comments, uh, Ingrid. Go ahead, Tori. Yeah, there's a right-wing theory of sociology. It's called the functionalist theory You know, it's versus the conflict theory, which is the left-wing theory of sociology. The functionalist theory says that any dysfunction in society serves to reinforce the system. And I think that's what Nick's getting at here. I mean, it's like from a capitalist perspective, you know, Folks driving to work and they seeing homeless people all over the place, it kind of like cracks the whip on their butt, you know, and makes them uh, it's like, okay, I better not, you know, rock the ship too much and, uh, you know, just go to work, you know, maybe not ask for that raise or just fit in because uh, otherwise I might be homeless. And that is, but that, again, remember what I, I speak about many times. A democracy and this type of system requires an educated population. And that what that's, to put it bluntly, we used to be, we're getting, we're, we're getting worse at it. I want to say some more, but Ingrid hasn't said anything on this topic. And I, and I, you know, and I, I like, I would like to hear Ingrid's, whatever it is that you have to add to the topic. Well, I'm certainly no, uh, expert or even very educated, but as a citizen, um, I guess I was thinking when Nick posed that question, it does make sense. You know, if you give somebody something for free, what is the incentive to get them to work or make their own, uh, to pay, to, to pay. pay. Yeah. But I would 
argue that, you know, maybe reflecting on my very own situation when I was in college and living in a dorm, and I will say it was unair-conditioned in the South. So it was minimum housing. It was clean. It was safe. It was a place to live. But it was certainly not a place that I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And so I think that's maybe uh, an answer that, that I is ac at. Actually, I think that's the answer that I gave, and, and that is uh, the minim la bolsa minima, the, small, the, the least... You may there's a there's a certain level of humanity that every society should at least aspire to, and there is a fact that says if you you know if somebody wants to work a whole lot, then then it probably commensurate with how much money or whatever they have. But let's let's take a look. Let's go let's go to the higher echelons because um, the people that make the most in, in in our society right now, Nick are the ones that really contribute the least. Yeah, I think the the important financial aspect of this to understand like how policies have gone in Houston and things mm -hmm. that haven't gotten that much attention. The mayor got a fair amount of attention for throwing out the panel that he had commissioned to figure out what to do with uh, the Harvey money. Mm -hmm. um, $16 million of Harvey money was supposed to go to low-income right. housing. Instead, he gave it to his longtime partner, um, right. uh, Barry Barnes. That got a fair amount of attention. There's also uh, the Angel Gardens evictions, the Crestmont Village evictions, uh, the mayor taking away housing of poor people and giving it to his buddies, uh, Womack or whoever. And that has gotten a very, very small amount of coverage. But when you step back and you look at these things, it really reflects my experience talking to the mayor, which is that he didn't care what I said because I wasn't real estate. We, I'm sitting you didn't there. care what you said because you didn't have power. Yeah. And um, we, have, we have the type of power that we have. We can hold a good press conference. We can get in the media. We can uh, you know, make memes, make in front of the mayor's crazy policies. We have certain types of power. But you know, he, he didn't. He didn't pretend to care. A good politician would at least pretend to right. care what you said, right? He didn't do that. But that's not how he treats real estate. That's not how he treats people from the homeless industrial complex. Um, so, yeah, I think that... Uh, Nick, I want to posit something to you. All right. Okay? I really want to posit this because I think uh, you, you, you are a, a, a great progressive guy, anti-capitalist. I'm not a capitalist. I'm a free enterpriser. There's a big difference. It's, that's for another day. There's a huge difference. I believe I have my own company. I did my own thing. All that. I love that. That's not capitalism. What I did, but um, I think it's important to note that what they've done to society is neuter us all from the media right down. You you probably heard of the Powell memo. You ever heard of that word before? The Powell memo was used to to really infiltrate schools, schools, churches, and everything to have this this neoliberal way of thinking. And, you know, so people, most of your friends probably think that sort of way that says, oh, uh, uh, we have to live in a society that operates this way. There's no other option. What you're doing right now, uh, getting some coverage on the media like you do, uh, what all of us are trying to do and to get into the people's psyche and using what I call geometric progression, which means we're not going to get a media that's corporate, corporate dominated to tell this story. It won't do it, right? Who's paying their bills? But we have to learn, in my humble opinion, as activists, how to work together, which is they bank on activists having their own little fiefdoms yeah, and, and not working together. You've never seen a more bi not bipartisan, just multipartisan organization than the ones who were fighting against this law when it passed. Um, 
all of the Democrats except for Bradford, uh, including Wanda Adams, who was like supposedly a big homeless advocate, mm-hmm. voted you know against the homeless. Right. The Republicans, because of freedom of religion to share food, were on the other side. So it was our group. We're, we're far. I mean, I'm far left, and many in our group are. You don't have to be right, left right, or right, right to be in our group or whatever. But um, the our group was working along with a bunch of Republican uh, people in Houston. With uh, you know every group you can imagine, there was a Muslim group, there was Jewish groups, there was churches, all kinds of people that right. were part of our coalition that were saying, you know, don't steamroll over the homeless and pass all of these laws. And uh, so, yeah, it was a beautiful uh, attempt uh, to fight these laws. But uh, unfortunately, these laws are just um, coming down more and more in cities across the country. Yes, and this is not a new thing. I mean, this but is look, since. I- I yeah. consider myself an activist and I was ignorant to what was going all the things that was going on with what you're doing and others like you're doing downtown. And and big picture forget us, right? We're just one group. When this law passed in 2012, it had a chilling effect on people just going with extra food they had from an office party or whatever and sharing it with the homeless because they were afraid they would get a ticket. That's why this law needs to be overthrown yes. because it needs to be overturned because we need people to know, oh, it is okay to go share my leftover food with the homeless. And that cutting off the food supply of homelessness increases crimes of desperation. I agree with you. But again, uh, people have to know, like I said, I can, I can, I, I've known many activists and I can guarantee you that most don't, because again, we were in an HBJC meeting and when I heard this, it was like the antennas up and it's like, oh no, I got to find you as a t- person to come and talk about the issue because again, I plead, I plead ignorance. I mean, we, we have done great on media so far. We have been covered in national press. We were on the front page and like little town in Arkansas had food, not bombs, Houston on the front page. Um, and the coverage has been quite positive of what it is that we're doing. Um, obviously the other side has a very difficult argument to make, um, that it's best to cause more desperation. So, uh, it doesn't look good. And yeah, the press has been great, but of course, you know, uh, the stories that tend to resonate in the news, I mean, like, you know, you know how it is Yeah. once they, once they got their war money, it's just like, Oh, we'll just give more and more money. It's not a story anymore. Oh, we'll give some more money. Oh, nuclear war is coming. Oh, just give some more money. That that's how, uh, it's not a big story. Well, you um, know, it, the thing about it is, um, I, I, I'm learning this as we go and as we're doing this and what I've learned is that you have to tell, you know, we have a tendency as activists to know our material very well and think we can just tell the numbers, talk the facts, and that's enough. I've learned over the years, and I'm still learning over the years, that you have to, I have to make Ingrid feel that the problems that you are taking care of right now is existential for her as well. And it is. It actually is because as, as society degenerates, we get the increase in crimes that we see. We get all these things that ultimately will affect Ingrid. I'm, using, I'm, using, I'm just using you, Ingrid, as an example because I think, and that is, that is where, uh, Nick, I'm saying it's not enough for us to just tell what's happening. We have to make that story a story that affects those people Absolutely. who are listening to us as well. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I appreciate that. And I, I think that, um, you know, public health is really important and under focused on individual health. You know, you have 
Uh, every time that public health is, is something that you can vote for, people choose to go with the candidate who's offering public health. Biden said, if you have COVID, you will be covered for the rest of your life from the symptoms of that. He said, I will provide a public option. People are like, bam, that's what I want. You know, I'm hearing about that. But of course, like if, if homeless people are sick, everyone else is going to get sick too, because that's how disease works. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and again, like I said, this, th- what we're doing is one thing, but this is something that you don't do one time. It, it's, you know, one thing the right knows is that you keep repeating things over and over and you know right now the right the right believes that folks that look like me is a danger to their existence right and that's what's happening in this country see how many people I think they're more focused on the transgender threat well them. now they are yeah but but you get my point my <laughs> yes. point my point is that if you take a look at at it you have to get into people's faces ray come on onto the air and we're going to uh, see what ray has to say and move Alrighty. on come on ray Hey, Egberto, I was just uh, tuning in and, and listening to your uh, conversation here with these fine folks uh, doing the work that they do. And it, it really hurts my heart to hear the level of bureaucracy we have at the city level as far as, you know, these people are, are putting in their hard-earned time. They have to spend money on this food. Yes, This is resources going into this cause. And the best way the city can reward them as they say all good deeds go on no one no good deed goes unpunished mm-hmm. the best way they can reward them is by serving them with tickets and where's the money from those ticket revenues going i'd like to know well you know it's probably going to go right back to the real estate guys I mean, anyway i mean look it, it, ray you hit the nail on the head right there's so much that we could do right now for the homeless we have a, we, look we have a lot of places you know we have a whole lot of places. Yeah. Uh, HPJC. Uh, well, you'd say, you say. Yeah, uh, you can help us out. Uh, if we need this money to pay tickets, we will use it to pay tickets. Hopefully we don't end up using the money to pay tickets and then we spend it on the stuff that we normally spend our donations on, which is beans and blankets. Uh, so that we are at hpjc.org slash FNB for food, not bombs, hpjc.org slash FNB. And, uh, that's a great way. I, that you I, let me tell you, if you're trying us. to bankrupt it, we won't let that, but anything else you want to add Ray before we go to Ingrid and Ingrid, tell us all that she's doing to get the mayoral race debate today. Okay, yeah. Uh, I want to just point out to the, your grander uh, argument of, of just being homeless mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about antiseptic slavery. That's, you what know, I like. That's like, my word, man. Yes, we are all antiseptic slaves. Yeah. It's basically the fear of that mm-hmm. that keeps the working class in line. It's like you might hate your job. I could say I hate my job because I called in today just because I didn't want to do it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yet, you know, you still want to hold on to that because what's on the other end is total destitution possibly. And, you know, the indigence of trying to find a place to stay in, that's enough to keep a lot of people in line. So they yes. don't have to depend on, you know, what people like yourself do in the community and feeding the homeless. They don't want to have to rely on those resources so they keep coming to work. George Carlin said it best. Oh man, that was a great piece that he did. Garge, say it without the dirty words. <laughs> you know, keep them. You know, keep them coming back to these jobs. You know, it's like the middle class is there to scare the crap out of the 
working class. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I love George Carlin, man. That's one of my favorite comedians. You know, I actually, I don't call him yes. a comedian. He's a lot more than a comedian. He He's understands. A philosopher. Exactly. He understands society and he understands how the system works. Hey, Ray, thank you so kindly for calling as usual, my brother. All right, y'all take it easy, man, and, and keep up the good work. All right. Dennis, come on in, and then we'll go to Ingrid. Come on in, Dennis. Yes, sir. Can you hear me, Yes, yes senor. Okay, and uh, I was going to make a statement and have you comment on it. Yes, sir. I wanted to mention, I wanted to mention just in passing that I saw George Carlin front row at the Arena Theater. Oh, man, I'm, around, I'm envious. I'm envious. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. And... Uh, but listen, uh, here's my comment I wanted you to comment on, which I have heard uh, one of the definitions of fascism is, uh, as I've heard it, is collusion between the government and industry or got that government, right. government and corporations. Yes. So what do, you, what do you think about this? It seems to me that one of the reasons that, that prices on a lot of things have, uh, have gotten higher under mm -hmm. uh, the present administration it's because, you know, it's corporations, it, it benefits them for there to be deregulation, even though it's a bad thing for the people, be it the banks, uh, you know, the oil companies. And, and I come from that background, and I'm not down on oil companies. I like the guys, too. Yeah. But, you know, you could say, hey, we'll just keep prices high and we'll blame it on this guy. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Dennis, uh, that's, look. That's let me, basically all I have to say. I'll hang up and let you come in. Thank you, brother. I, I, I appreciate it. Show. Thank you, sir. Thank let, you. Me, let me tell you, everything that Dennis says is, 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 is correct, right? I've had shows on where we broke down inflation and proved, and notice I didn't say we think, we proved that inflation is nothing more than because they can. Nothing more. There was never a shortage. None of that. When they talk about employee shortage, you can't have an employee shortage when you have 3 million people trying to get into your country. There's a whole lot. You can't, I mean, look, we, we, we have just learned how to be lied to and accept it. And because, you know, it's, it's just the thing that we do, but we have to change. But anyhow, Ingrid Bond. Uh, look, I uh, thank you so kindly for showing up. Don't go anywhere. We're not done with you, my brother. Okay, you know, um, let me uh, let me um, ask you to tell us about what you've arranged for tonight. Okay, well, before I even get started, I was going to make a little observation on some of the callers and please do talk you had because um, I have just seen from personal experience that one of the roots of our problems are, I don't know when they stopped teaching civics in school, yes. but I have two daughters that are in their 20s now, and mm -hmm. when they were in high school, they were not required to take a basic civics class, which I certainly remember mm -hmm. in my day. But another thing is that, you know, I did make sure they got registered to vote, and they both were 18 before they graduated from high school, so they both got to vote. Um, but in my work now as a precinct chair, what I found out is every school in Texas is supposed to give high school seniors or anyone over the age of 18 two opportunities a year to register to vote. Mm -hmm. And they are not doing that. The government does not want young people to be engaged. They don't want them to register to vote. And um, I've worked with an, another volunteer, Aliza Garretts, who is amazing and has contacted many of the principals at HISD and also in ALEAF and 
the amount of effort it took to just get them to comply with this rule. One of them, the former principal of Lamar High School, I will say, said he would conduct the voter registration, but they had to do it in the ROTC office. Imagine how intimidating that is, that that's where you go to register to vote and you get a talking to you to try to have you sign up for the military. Anyway, I just wanted to say that, you know, it seems to me the right wing conservative Republicans have infiltrated our school districts. They're trying to influence everything that happens and you start with the education. I know young people don't have a propensity to vote, but you have to teach them why it's important. And that seems to have already, for the last 10 years, been removed from our system. You know, what I what I also encourage, and that's what, uh, I don't remember his name from Florida, really uh, kind of got my blood flowing. We don't want these young people to only register to vote and vote. I want them running. I want, I, I mean, there, there, there are some young candidates in Congress right now that, that makes 50 and 60 year olds look pretty darn, well, I won't say the word on radio, but so, I mean, I want these young, I, 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 I tell you, I fell in love with Gen Z. That's your daughter's age at yes. 20 because they don't care. They will come out there. And they are not going to fall in line. Even as they haven't gotten physics, I mean, civics in school, they've gotten civics on TikTok. And I tell you something, I don't know about you. I love TikTok and I love getting some civics on TikTok with verification. But before we continue, tell us a little bit about what you came into and then we'll move on. Okay, certainly. So um, our uh, Bayou Blue Democrats Club has had a few candidate forums in the past. Um, In 2018, our very first year of existence, we hosted a candidate forum for all the Democratic candidates for the CD7, which um, at that time was held by John Culberson. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it was very competitive. And we felt very strongly afterwards that we had provided a good service because there were seven candidates running and people wanted to know who they were, and there were a newly group of, you know, activated political people. So taking from that, in the last, uh, every two-year elections, we've tried to focus on, on candidate forums where the people who are members of our club and our community can come out in a very low-key, casual atmosphere, really see these candidates. And so... Tonight, what we're doing is we've invited every candidate who has announced that they will run uh, to appear at a forum that we are hosting. We have a normal meeting spot, which is St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, but we had a very good response, over 200 people, so we've moved our location. So it will be at 6 o'clock tonight at the IBEW Hall, the International. What time is it going to start? Uh, so we will let people in at 6. The actual forum will start at 6.30 sharp. Okay. And then... Um, How long is it going to last? It's an hour and a half. Wow, okay. And we... Um, let me tell you who is going to be attending. So we have confirmed Amanda Edwards, former council member, Gilbert Garcia. He was the chair of Metro. Lee Kaplan... He's uh, been involved in politics, and I know he's a successful businessman. Um, Robin Williams, who is a law enforcement officer, 
um, and Robert Gallegos, a current city council member. Chris Hollins was going to appear, but since he dropped out of the race to switch to controller last Thursday, he will not be appearing in person. We did extend invitations to Senator Whitmire and also Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, and the senator is in session with the Texas legislature in Austin, so he asked to provide a video, and we allowed him to submit just a two-minute summary video. We asked if we could ask him the questions and record that to provide to our audience, but he declined to do that. And um, as of right now, we do not know the status of the Congresswoman. All right. Well, you know, my comment to that is I think if you're having a forum, a debate, this is my personal opinion. Only the people who show up should speak. I mean, uh, if you care about your community, you show up, even if it's by Zoom. We're in a technological age right now. Uh, Senator Whitmire and uh, my friend uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, wherever they are, even if they're sitting in an airport, they could participate in a forum uh, via uh, our electronic methods. After all, this is an existen not an existential, but an important election here in Houston as I see it. And your club, as well as the many other clubs that we have in Houston, uh, they are really important in, in, in making people have... The, making people aware of the choices that they have. And, you know, they, they need to be queried. They need to be questioned. So I am happy that you guys are having that, and I'll be live streaming it. So <laughs> Thank you, and thank you so much for offering to do that. It is, you know, a little overwhelming. First of all, I also wanted to say that our moderator is a great guy, Jaime Rodriguez. Jaime Rodriguez. We've had him on air here uh, as well. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. He has great experience in all realms of politics. He's a um, uh, political advisor now, and he has run a forum for us before. He also uh, recently, when we had the election for New Harris County chair, mm -hmm. ran a very lively and informative yes. <laughs> forum for the four candidates that were running there. So we are really pleased that he has agreed to help us with our forum. I know he's going to make it interesting, good, and he keeps the line, he enforces the time limits, and he keeps everybody in order. So that's going to be great. Uh, Bayou, Bayou Blue, Bayou Blue Democrats, Bayou Blue Dems have made the right choice in selecting Jaime Rodriguez because I tell you, he really had them humping for that last chair and he asked, asked some questions that uh, politicians don't generally want you to ask, which is I think would have made Nick happy. You know, <laughs> he, he did that when I think brightest highlight that I remember is he asked each of them to pull their phone out of their pocket and call one elected official just to show how close or connected these uh, I know. Uh, candidates were with the political process. That was a trip. I had to go up and backslap him on him, but I am glad I wasn't one of the politicians out there running because I don't know. But anyhow, for the folks that are online, I want to, wow, you guys, re sorry I didn't really get to a lot of you, but I have two very uh, uh, folks that really had a lot to say here. But welcome, Eric Hayes. Welcome, E2247. Welcome, Bruce Pollard. Welcome, BD Pollard. Welcome, May Wood, uh, Lee Grant. 
and all the others that I'm scrolling by with my, my eyes, even though it's better. Mike, Mike is in the house as well. Welcome aboard, Mike, Mike. Uh, did you want to tell us something about those, those CDs you have in your hands? Oh, well, of course. Check out Free Radicals, our last two albums, White Power Outage, Volume 1 and 2. Uh, they are available on all platforms. Free Radicals is playing on the 28th of this month, 26th of next month at Avant Garden, free shows. Uh, please come support Free Radicals. We've been doing this for 26, 27 years here in Houston, and uh, we are uh, an outspoken band that plays instrumental music and collaborates with rappers and singers and other folks. And, um, but yeah, thanks for, uh, mentioning that. I also wanted to, uh, say I, I have a lot of criticisms, of course, of the Democrats and, and being in bed with real estate, but to their credit, um, because of some of the voting that people did in the past, in my opinion, uh, we are, if we get arrested, which is less likely than it used to be, uh, for a misdemeanor, a lot less likely, mm -hmm. uh, we will probably be released on personal recognizance bonds. There won't be cash bonds required. This has made a huge difference for people getting misdemeanors across Houston. So there are, uh, you know, some important things, uh, to say uh, about what having uh, Democrats in, in having some power to change things has has done. Uh, of course, uh, I'm very disappointed on Democrats across the board, but uh, that is a big difference. So that if you do come out and volunteer with Houston Food Not Bombs, we're down in front of the library four nights a week, Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, around 7 p.m. If you are willing to get a ticket with us, which would be an incredible uh, type of donation. You can bring food, but you can also be stand up and say, I'm willing to get a, a ticket tonight. Um, then you are going into a very annoying legal system where you have to go to your court date and have a jury trial and all this stuff and could take forever. Um, but uh, the chances that you'll be arrested and the chance that you'll be left in jail over the weekend are much different than they would have been uh, 15 years ago. Um, so important to mention that. Well, look, uh, look, first of all, I, I got to say again, thank you for what you're doing out there. I mean, there's a whole lot of, I, I don't know, you know, like I said, driving into Houston today, you know, uh, your heart sinks when you pass 59 and I think it's 59 and 610 and there's a whole community. We need to change the narrative because right now the New York Times, yes. the Intercept, they both looked at this data, this, as I explained, the this bogus data. data. <laughs> yeah, that the homeless count. Oh, we're reducing homelessness. And they're like, what, are, what is Houston doing right? Let's interview people and officials in Houston. What are you guys, what have you figured out? I'm like, didn't you even look you at You said the Intercept the was one of the culprits that actually believed the data? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Grimm went on the hill right interviewing, uh, yeah, interviewing um, uh, Houston city officials to say, Oh, what, what have you figured out? And he has this guy come on and just say his usual talking points or whatever. It's like Houston hasn't figured anything out. They've just figured out how to generate the data they need to get their grant money. So, uh, yeah, I would, I, I applaud uh, anything that's done for the homeless and the city has done all kinds of things for the homeless. But of course we're saying a lot more needs to be done. First and foremost, these anti-homeless laws, like the one that's affecting us and the other ones that don't affect volunteers. There's laws about camping and uh, how big your belongings have to be in the civility ordinance. You can't sit down or lie down on the sidewalk between 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. There's all kinds of crazy anti-homeless laws uh, that need to go. Uh, we're talking about the one that happens. Look, to let, 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 I, I want to interrupt for a second because we're going to have a few rich people listening to the show right now. And they're going to say NIMBY, right? They're going to say, well, um, you know, uh, if, you're, if you are at your home and you have this smelly person in front of your home just sitting down there it's not a good sight 
it's not something that you want to see, etc. Uh, how do you feel about that person who feels that way? And I'm gonna, I'll be honest, I think most people uh, going to their homes and that sort of stuff, that's not what they want to see. I, I have a comeback, but I want to I hear mean, your point. All I point. would say is, yeah, poor people uh, also deserve to have uh, the safety that would be, you know, not having desperate people uh, around their houses. But the way the law is enforced is constantly to kick homeless people from the wealthier neighborhoods to the poorer neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the, the reason I brought that up in the first, uh, let me let me ask you first to chime in. Uh, chime in on, you don't want to see a smelly homeless person probably, you know, in front of your home, right? No, but I mean, it is such a complex problem. I mean, the homeless do not have easy issues to solve. And some of the larger organizations, I'll just say that I've been involved with search and I think they do from what I can tell a really good job of trying to integrate and help out each of the medical childcare job Mm -hmm. training issues. But, um, I think that spin that you talked about has become more important than the actual work of helping the people. And so what you lose in the translation is that I just bring it back again to, you know, civic involvement. Like people don't want to know. They don't want to help. They want to, if you're talking about rich people, yes, they would like to write a check. They will give you money so you can go do it. But they're not going to be the ones showing up or spending, investing time into understanding it to maybe bring whatever assets they have to a solution. And that's, there's a place for everyone. I mean, if, if somebody says, I don't have any time, I have some money, that's what I want to do to help out. That's a great donation to Food Not Bombs. Um, we, we would be happy to take monetary donations. A lot of times people, they say, you know, what? I feel better about just buying food for you. I'm like, bring it, bring out a five yeah. pound bag of dried beans. You know, that's a great donation. So however, however it makes sense for people, um, you know, wealth inequality mm-hmm. is causing all kinds of problems. And it's, uh, you know, no. uh, uh, it, that's a difficult thing to deal with. Uh, but that, that's how it is now. Some people have all kinds of extra money and that's something that they can do. It, it, you know, we talk a whole lot about the inequalities and what really causes it and who deserves the money that they have, et cetera. You know, Bill Gates didn't really earn his money. And I love Bill Gates, but he didn't earn his money. I love a lot of these guys, but they didn't earn that money. But that said, um, I want to put you out of business. Thank you, sir. Uh, okay, I, I will speak in. So you go ahead and talk. Yeah, it's really not that complicated. It's just a matter of expanding the social safety net. The answer for homelessness is permanent supportive housing for people that are dysfunctional for whatever reason, uh, addiction or mental health care. And it's actually cheaper uh, to get for the society to get people into small houses or tiny apartments. And it's better for the homeless people. You know, we can't be uh, asking people to, you know, get off alcohol or drugs while they're living on the streets. The easiest way to help people get off alcohol and drugs is to get them permanent supportive housing you know so they can have a you know just a place to rest and relax and de-stress and then you get them into addiction treatments or whatever you know it's it's not i mean it's not that complicated yeah it it is complicated because who are we up against right there are people in the homeless industrial complex making hundreds of thousands of dollars, over four hundred thousands of dollars to run these things, and the homeless to them, that's what well, pays that, their bills. It goes, it goes, I mean, the, red, the, the, the person who runs the Red Cross, she makes five hundred thousand dollars, okay? I mean, a year. So, I mean, you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. That is why you don't need these, 
you know, people l- love to use the big S words when I tell folks how I think a society would run much better. Because even these nonprofits, in effect, they're called nonprofits, but really, the profit is in what the executives and the people that run all these things get paid, right? So, um, what, what Tory said is a cor- corollary of what I wanted to say, and that is that I would love to put you out of business, right? Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if your job is to put yourself out of business, but you're also getting paid for your job, then... <laughs> that's but, 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 and that's what I'm saying. The idea is to put you out of business in this form. In a rich country where there is excess capital, there's absolutely no reason for what I saw underneath the different bridges yeah, as I had to come here. Food, there is no reason. Bombs. Exactly. <laughs> but again, uh, you know, I don't want you doing food, not bands. I want you, I want us to listen to your music. I, and whenever you're out there taking care of that, you ain't playing music. I yeah. want to listen to your music. My point is that we as a society have to show the rest of society, those of us in the know, have to find a way to tell that story to society, to let them see those folks under the bridge as having affecting them as well. Yeah. And we have not figured out how to do that yet. And it's something that if we are going to solve the problem, we actually have to figure out how to do it. Uh, it's fundamental to, to Food Not Bombs to say that all this money that's being wasted on the military or worse than wasted, right? Perhaps escalating towards nuclear war right now uh, should be spent on human need. But again, when you, uh, when you have the Powell memo who have trained, and you can chime in. Uh, wait, let, let me say something here because I, I want to say... Uh, uh, and take this the right way, okay? And, you know, we are two guys on the table going at it, and we have True. a woman in the middle, yes. right? And, and this is what I learned at Move to a Men, uh, and, and what we learned. Women, you got, just like he butts in one another, you got to butt in and say something. Too. Well, I didn't really see Nick butting in, but I will uh, say, okay, if you have me on again, I will know the drill and I will butt in a little bit more. The first Thank time, you. I'm just learning the ropes. I'm just figuring it all okay. out and seeing what's going on I know here. Nick did so, butt in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, no, but I'm learning a lot too. So I've got some things going on in my head about everything that Nick is saying. But, um, you know, I would say all accolades to you for doing what you've done. Um, But I'm going to circle back around to my forum, which is the reason I came here one more time. I would encourage you, if you cannot make it out there in person to the North Loop, then please listen to the live stream because these are the candidates who want to be your mayor. They're showing up. They are not giving excuses why they're not here. They're not the old guard who just wants to keep in power. So come and see them and come decide who you want. Folks, thank you so kindly for listening to Politics and Right. Nick Cooper, thank you for being Nick Cooper and all the work you do. Uh, Senor uh, Ingrid, thank you for being here and what you do. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where... Uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.